Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're in a series called Behold Your God from the Gospel of John. I'm glad you joined us today. We're going to talk about when rules deny reality. The reality of God has a way of upsetting religious rules that blind us to what is real. As I record this in August of 2019, in my country, in the United States, we're in the middle of an election uh, cycle where we're going to vote again soon on the presidency, the Senate, the Congress, and many state and local elections. Political opinions are everywhere. Polls are everywhere. And you know, even in our own lives, a lot of times when we want to know what to do, we ask our friends what they think. And that's the main reason we have problems. (laughs) We listen to our friends, and they don't know what to do either many times. Well, today in John 7, we're going to see what what would look a lot like the political landscape today. We're going to see that uh, Jesus had opinions swirling all around him as to who he really was and what he came to do. And we're going to break all that down right now. So let's go to John chapter 7, John chapter 7, and let's go right to the first verse we're going to see that 100% of the brethren of Christ did not believe in him. They did not believe that their own brother, or half-brother actually, because Joseph was not his father, God the Father was the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. They all shared the same mother, that is Mary, but his brothers, their their biological father really was Joseph. But none of his brethren believed that he was the Messiah. 100% said, no, he's not. And I say that they didn't believe it yet, and later they all will believe. But a lot of changes have to happen in their lives before they will be able to believe the truth, the reality about the Lord Jesus Christ. Their religious rules were getting in the way. And you're going to see how some of that figures in right here in John 7. And let's read verses 1 through 9. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. And if you look back at uh, chapters 5 and 6, you know that Christ upset the Jewish religious leaders at the temple because he healed a man on the Sabbath day. This was a major problem to them. So he left Judea, up where Jerusalem is located, and went back to his headquarters in Galilee because they were trying to kill him and it wasn't time yet for him to give his life as our Savior. Verse 2, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. This was the feast of Sukkot, or Chak Hasif. It is also called the festival of ingathering 
the festival of booze where the Jewish people would live outdoors on the uh, rooftops of their homes and little huts or booths that they built. It is held um, on the 15th day of the seventh month every year. It is a week-long festival. I'm recording this in August 2019, so the uh, Feast of Tabernacles is coming up again in 2019 from October 13th through the 20th. Now, this festival is coming up. So watch what happens in verse 3. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. So he is challenged by his own brothers who did not believe in him. Hey, if you're really who you say you are, then go prove it up in Jerusalem at the temple because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. So 100% of the brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ did not accept that he was the Messiah. They did not believe this. And they were, in my opinion, very antagonistic toward him at this point. Now, we're going to see as we go further that 50% of the people did not believe that he was the Christ, the Messiah. Maybe even way more than that, but I'm just, I'm just breaking this down that way. Many believed of the people, many did not. It's sort of like when you take an opinion poll politically today or almost about anything, like um, who should be dog catcher, all right? Any poll you take will almost always break down 45% for it, 45% against it, and amazingly, 10% who don't know what to think. Man, that 10% of people, they're virtually useless on this kind of thing. Because it's like that saying, there are people who make things happen, there are people who watch things happen, and there are people that just wonder what happened. Don't be one of those. I mean, listen, you need to decide one way or the other regarding Jesus Christ. Oh, Ed, I'm just, not, I'm just getting my information. I'm just not sure. Well, we'll just mark you down as voting no against Jesus. Because listen, you either believe in him as being God, as being Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, come to save us from our sins, or you don't. And if you say, well, I'm just not sure. All right, I'm marking you down as you don't believe. Yeah, I hope that you will. 
but you may not yet, and therefore you do not believe in Christ. Well, we're going to see that the people were split here. So let's go to verse 10 in John 7. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. And that's talking there about the Jewish religious leaders. They had the power to arrest these people. So nobody wanted to speak up real loudly. You know, our country is actually becoming like that in America. And if you're listening from some other nation around the world, your country may be like that, where whatever the truth is, you you are starting to speak it in a whisper because the 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 tide is against that today in the world. We are we are being forced to be politically correct in our thoughts and in our speech, not just about politics, but about virtually every area of life. And this makes people very careful. It reminds me of China today or the old Soviet Union. And this is not, my friends, a good trend. Even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ yet, you and I are able or should be able to have a, a pleasant conversation about what you believe and what I believe. And we can even be friends even though we disagree. But when things begin to go in the direction they're going in the world today, people become very fearful. And that's what we see right here in verse 13. Now let's go to verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Now I want to remind you, from the Christian perspective, this is God going into his house and teaching his word, which he had every right to do to his people, no less. Verse 15, And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? In other words, he had not been through their rabbinical schools. How does he know this? Well, that should have started being one of their first clues. Maybe they should start asking a more respectful question, like, how do you know this? And teach us everything you know. But they didn't because rules got in the way of reality. Verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And the way I, I hear Jesus saying this is like, yeah, that ought to be a clue. How did I get this? It was given to me by the one who sent me, that being, of course, God the Father, right? Verse 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. 
Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? So they were trying to say that Jesus was uh, demonized. What a horrible thing to say about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, God in human form. Verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and all ye marvel. And he's talking about the fellow that he had healed on the Sabbath day back in John 5. And if you're, you weren't with us for that, go back and listen to the episode on John chapter 5. Verse 22, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then says some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? <laughs> it's interesting to me that Jesus said that some were trying to kill him, and then their answer back was, Who's trying to kill you? You're, you're, do, you're demonized. And then here at the end, right there, the people are already, already, I mean, on their own, they're discussing, hey, is it this guy that the rulers are trying to kill? So obviously that was the truth, right? Verse 26, but lo, he speaketh boldly and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Now let's just stop right there. I want to point out something to you. They thought they knew who Jesus' father was. They thought it was Joseph, but that was wrong. It was God the Father. So they were wrong on that. And they thought they knew that he came from Nazareth. Now, he did grow up in Nazareth, and later uh, in his public ministry, he moved his headquarters, so to speak, to Capernaum in Galilee. This is what I want to remind you about. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, I want to, I want to just make this point. I'm sure... I feel that that was, shouldn't have been a secret. <laughs> I mean, if you remember Herod killing uh, the babies back at that time to try to make sure that he eliminated this newborn king, the baby Jesus. Now, you remember that, okay, in the Christmas story? Well, this was not like uh, uh, an event that just happened over in a corner somewhere and nobody knew about it. This was big news when Jesus was born. So that was in their historical memory. But also, I want to point this out. Jesus 
was born in Bethlehem, right? Say, so, well, that must have been like a really way far, long way off from Jerusalem. Uh, it's 9.2 kilometers. It's only 23 minutes from Jerusalem, I guess, by car. Now, it would take a good part of the day to walk there from Jerusalem, but it wasn't impossible to go to Bethlehem. Now, say, well, why, why are you talking about that? Because you remember Joseph, um, his, his guardian father, took Mary to Bethlehem where Jesus was born, but the reason they went there was because of what? The Roman census. Because every uh, citizen of Rome, who everybody who lived in Ro the Roman Empire was going to be taxed, right? You remember that? Well, the Romans did a lot of things great, but one thing they had down to an art form was keeping records. And they destroyed things. They were pretty good at that <laughs> in war. But the Romans kept great records because it involved tax revenue. Somewhere among the Jewish people or among the, the Roman rulers like Pontius Pilate at this time, Somewhere the Romans had a record of Joseph and Mary being in Bethlehem. Do you, you follow what I'm saying here? It would have been an easy thing historically and legally to prove that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? But they didn't have to even go to Bethlehem. They could have just walked about 600 feet over to the praetorium that overlooked the temple area. They, they only had to walk maybe 600 feet to Pilate's headquarters and ask for the records, but nobody bothered. They just assumed that Jesus was from Nazareth and the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, but nobody checked it out. And I don't, again, I don't think that this was not known among people. It says nobody bothered to verify any of this. Their rules got in the way of reality. It would have been so easy to document where Christ was born. Nobody took the time because their rules and their religion were getting in the way of the obvious reality before them. Many years ago, an agricultural industrialist, I guess you would say, he, I guess he did farming on a large scale, went to some officials in California, but he, he waited out in the office area of this uh, official, but he was dressed like a farmer in overalls and, you know, probably didn't have on a suit, didn't look impressive or anything and the secretary kept trying to get rid of him but he said no I, I want to speak to Mr. So-and-so but he wouldn't reveal what the matter was and you know they just never had time for him finally this farmer after I, I believe hours of waiting got up and left and he went somewhere else well the rest of the story is this that farmer's first name was Leland and you know what his last name was? Stanford. He was a gabillionaire. 
and he wanted to found a university. And wherever he went after that, got it. And there was born Stanford University in California. True story. That's a good case of rules and perceptions getting in the way of reality. I've heard stories several times um, in, in different places of car dealerships where someone would come in and not be, you know, dressed very well, maybe had on overalls, <laughs> you know, but they wanted to buy a Cadillac or a Mercedes, let's say, but the sales staff didn't take the individual seriously until they pulled out a wad of hundreds, and, and back then probably they had $1,000 bills, uh, still had those, but would pull the money out of their pocket or out of the pocket of their overalls and pay for a luxury car in cash. You see, sometimes rules and perceptions that are wrong get in the way of reality. And even today, people are divided bitterly over who Jesus Christ really is. But their own rules in their own head or their own are their own worst enemy because they, they keep them, especially in religious terms, from looking past all of that to see the reality of who Jesus really is. So let's read a little further here. Verse 28. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. And he's speaking of God the Father. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? So there was a, a large split between the people that he was good, he was bad, he was a man, he's God. He's not the Christ. He is the Christ. Many believed, but not all did. So be careful about what you let get in the way of seeing what reality is all about. Let's go to verse 32, and I will say here that 99.99% .99 of the rulers did not believe in Christ yet. Now Nicodemus will see he did and he was among the Sanhedrin, among the rulers but other than him and Joseph of Arimathea that we know both helped bury the Lord Jesus Christ put him in the tomb after he was crucified and dead other than those among the leadership we're not really told of others who believed there may have been others, but they're named. But 99% of the Jewish religious leaders refused 
to believe in Christ. Verse 32. The Pharisees, now remember these are the religious Bible-believing conservatives. I mean, they were really genuinely sincere about their faith. They believed in God. They believed in angels. They believed the Bible was divinely inspired. So, I mean, on all of that, they're right. You, you would think they, of all the religious people, would, would realize who Jesus was, but even they missed it. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, that he said, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. So they just are not getting it. And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't trying to show them who he was. So we're going to see here right now in verse 37 that Christ tells them point blank who he is. Now, I want you to, to know this before I, I read this uh, section right here. Before we read it, this is going to make this make so much sense to you in this section here. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which was seven days long, there was a great ceremony, a closing ceremony, where the priest who was on duty, as I, I read in one place, would have two bowls in his hand. One would have water in it that had come from the Sihon Springs uh, that where they got their water for the temple, and the other bowl would have wine in it. And on that last great day of the feast, he would pour those out, and he would say, save now. The people would say that, uh, crying out to God to save them now. And this was like the great climax of the Feast of Tabernacles. So I want you to see what happens here. And it's, I believe it's at that point that what we're about to read happens. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? 
So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Wow. This is astoundingly Amazing. 99.99% of the rulers who should have believed in Christ as being God, the Christ, the Messiah, did not and, and would not believe, even though there, of course, was Nicodemus, as I mentioned, as we read there in John 7. Even though Christ stood, and, and if, let me put it like this. Think of it this way. For those of you who, who have been in churches, all kinds of churches, if there's a point of decision in a church to, to become a Christian or, or even as a Christian to join that church, I've been raised in the Baptist faith tradition and we have a, a time of decision where people are openly offered the opportunity to proclaim their faith in Christ, perhaps to be baptized following the Lord's example. Now I want you to think of a time like that. All right? That, that is happening, that kind of event is happening right now at the temple where Jesus is. And Jesus cries out in the middle of it, like if someone were to stand up in a decision time at a church and say, come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me for the waters of life. I am your Savior. It would have that same startling impact because nobody expected anybody to stand and say this during the last great day of the feast at the Feast of Tabernacles. But Jesus claims to be the living water. I am living water that's being portrayed by that priest. I am the one. Many still didn't understand and said that he was a prophet. Others said that he was the Christ. So the people were split. The rulers were pretty much all against him with the exception of, of Nicodemus and per, perhaps Joseph of Arimathea. Well, I mean, we know he believed in Christ. So 
remember that the theme here today that, I, that I've applied to John 7 is when rules deny reality, when you know rules get in the way of what is obviously real. So I want to bring this, I want to bring this home right now for some of you. Some of you that are listening, many of you are already Christians and you're being built up in your faith and your walk with Christ. And perhaps you will use this to share with others. But some of you listening today are not Christians and and you would not even claim to be. And reality, you're missing it because you're letting rules that you've been raised with either in religion or psychology or education or class or whatever it is, you're letting man-made rules and perceptions deny the obvious reality. The reality that we are seeing in the Gospel of John, the reality is Jesus is God. And don't give me that stuff about Jesus never claimed to be God. We just read what he just claimed right here. So anybody who says that has either never read their Bible or they're lying. The reality is that Jesus is God. The reality is is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The reality is that he is the way, not a way. He's the only way. He's the only living water. He is the only bread of life that is that the world can trust. Without him, there's no hope. The reality is, is that Jesus only saves sinners. And the reality is, is that you are a sinner. Guess what? You're qualified to be saved. All you do is you you recognize your sin nature. You, You admit, you agree that you commit sins that break the laws of God and probably the laws of man because you you do sins because you are a sinner. You were born into that as all of us were. And once you realize that and realize there's no way you will ever be able to pay for your sins and you realize that you are without hope, you are lost, headed for a place Jesus calls hell. Wow. When you reach the point of no hope, hopelessness, and then you turn to Christ as your only hope, your only Savior, the only Lord and God, and ask Him to save you, forgive you, and cleanse you of your sins and save you. Jesus Christ says He will save everyone that comes to Him in faith. And you may be at the point where you're ready to do that. You may want to even speak with someone about that. Now you can email me or message me through this app. And if you message me, I will, I will respond you may want to speak with someone 
who is a trained counselor who can help you make this decision for Christ and give you free literature to encourage you. Write this number down, 888-537-8720. One more time, 888-537-8720. When you call that number, someone from Lifeway will answer. All you need to do is tell them that you would like to become a Christian or that you would like more information about Jesus Christ and the Christian life, and they will help you. You can even email me directly at pastoredhill at gmail.com. I want to thank you again for listening today. It is so meaningful to me that you have joined our podcast I hope you will push the button or click the link or whatever it is on the Podbean app so that you are you are subscribed to this and every time we release a new episode you will get a notification. Please tell others about this week in the word and that they can find it on iTunes and Google Play. They can also just type into their browser www.dredhill.podbean.com One more time, www.dredhill.podbean.com There's no period after that DR, by the way. So let others know, because everybody needs to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and their walk with Christ. Well, thank you again for listening. Next week, in our next episode, we go to John chapter 8.